going to turn to the Bible now. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, which you'll find in the second half of the Bible. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 13, it's, and it's entitled The Transfiguration. Matthew 17, verses 1 to 13. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be up here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So we're just going to have a very quick look at this. We come to the uh, end of the service now, just thinking about that phrase, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Facts are important. Here's, let me just read this next paragraph out to you. If you could stick it up here. People got into our house while we were away, threw some stuff around, took some things that were lying around and threw them away so that we wouldn't see them again. Facts. Didn't actually sound very good, did it? But the relationships and the context are very important. Here's what actually happened. Helen's mum and dad fed the cat and the fish and hoovered up the house so it was tidy when we got back from holiday. (laughs) Every now and then, they come in and they steal our dust. (laughs) Now, it's a fact that Jesus lived on earth. And Peter told us some facts about what he saw, what Jesus did, and what he said. Jesus was far more than just God's messenger or his right-hand man. He was his son. And we know this because God said so. Like son, like father. Jesus is God saying, this is me on earth. If you want to get to know me, and I hope that you do, because asking the question, who is Jesus, who is God, is about the most important question you could ask. If you want to get to know me, Look at Jesus. 
This is my son, whom I love. God tells us how much he loves Jesus and how much he loves us. We've got a good verse in the Bible, a verse probably most people here will know. It's written by a man called John. So I'm going to ask a man called John to read it out for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks. We learn to live and love, not in rules, but in relationships. Moses wrote down the Ten Commandments, and Jesus explained that these are not a list of things to do to earn God's approval, as if we could do that. It's not about how good you can be. He tells us that these are instructions from a loving Father who wants the best for us. And therefore we can follow the Ten Commandments as a response to his wise advice. The reality is they help us to get our relationship with God right and our relationship with others right. God tells us time and time again how much he loves us. And it's the same with his son. He tells his son how much he loves him. Why wouldn't it be? We can know this love and we can rest in its security. And we can respond to this love because we don't need to earn it. It's come unconditionally. But God invites us to respond to the love that he's already shown us. And we can respond to this love in the way we love others. John again wrote another verse. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Thanks. Nothing can separate us from his love. We can know it and we can rely on it. And we can think to ourselves, do we tell our children enough how much we love them? Do we follow God's example there? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God is so pleased with his son because his son Jesus spends time finding out what God wants and doing it. He spent time in prayer, making sure he was doing what his father wanted him to do. He was asking questions of his father. Am I in your will? Am I doing what you want? Just checking, am I getting things right? Is this now the time that I go to the cross, that I continue with the journey, with the purpose that you have given me here to do? And he got a really clear response from God. Yes, I'm pleased with you. You're doing the right things. This is what I want you to do. But also, that transfiguration, when Jesus showed his glory, when it was something amazing that the disciples were terrified by, was also something where the disciples could see his glory and get a taste of heaven to strengthen themselves for the tough time ahead. Jesus knew his disciples would need encouragement. He had been telling them that he was going to die. They'd been with him for two or three years. They didn't quite understand it. He was their leader. He was someone they were following. This idea of him dying and coming back to life, it was, they couldn't understand that at that time. And Jesus knew that it was a big thing for them to understand. And he wanted to give them a bigger picture 
to try and put that in. And the bigger picture was, yes, he was going to die, but he was going to come back to life again. And actually, he was in control of the whole thing. And the transfiguration is a bit like a trailer of the resurrection. There is some glory and some power associated with Jesus that they could remember and hold on to in the tough times when they were trying to figure out, why is my leader on the cross here? Why is he dying? From a worldly point of view, it seemed wrong, and yet Jesus gave them a foretaste of heaven to say, take encouragement. Actually, God and I are in control here. The Father and I are putting our plan in place. Now, my mum is very keen on positive parenting. And the question is, do we give our children and each other enough encouragement? Like God says to his son, I am well pleased with you. Do we give our children enough encouragement? These guys are doing really well down here, aren't they? Now look, my mum, I'm very fortunate, I think, because my mum was really into positive parenting. It can be so easy to criticise rather than support and encourage, can't it? One thing she would say is that it's hard to praise your children enough. You can't overpraise your kids. We're much inclined to find faults and find a lack of perfection, a lack of them doing exactly what we want them to do and not behaving as we want. Here's a quick example. Okay? So imagine I was a dad here, and here's my... How old should we make him? Because he's anything from four to 50. <laughs> Let's say eight. Eight years old. So, imagine a kid walking across a room carrying a big bowl of Cocoa Pops. Hey, be careful with that. You filled that too full. Make sure you don't spill that because I've only just hoovered the carpet. That's one way of doing it, isn't it? I wonder how he felt. Let's try another way. The positive parenting way. Hey, aren't you doing well carrying that carefully with both your hands? Fantastic. Just put it down there. Well done. I think he felt a lot happier. I think he also enjoyed his Cocoa Pops. And I'll sit down with him sometime and talk to him about spoons. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples carried on asking questions as they came down the mountain. They continued to listen to Jesus. Jesus explained to them later on how Moses was the bringer of the law, an important man in Israel's history. Elijah was a leading prophet. But Jesus was more important than either of these figures of history. He was the Son of God. Jesus tells us to love each other. As we listen to Jesus, we listen to God, and we find out what he wants us to do. Here's John writing again. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It's really great to share with Rick and Claire and the family here in giving thanks for the birth of Luke this morning. And what's fantastic 
is that we not only have the chance to be human fathers and sons, but we also have the chance to... Mothers and fathers and sons, I should have said that. But we also have the chance to be children of God. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe in his name, if we act on that belief, if we show obedience to him in our lives, as he's asked us to do, as we love each other, we get the chance to become children of God. And God is the best parent you could ever wish for. So this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus' transfiguration brings a new way of seeing things. We can live in faith like the disciples, not always understanding everything, because we don't. We won't always understand everything here. But when necessary, in God's timing, light from heaven will reveal something of God's truth to us. Now, we had a bit of smoke and mirrors here this morning. Quite literally, this was smoke and mirrors. It was very much a, a, a feeble attempt to try and convey some of the majesty and some of the glory of heaven that was there in the transfiguration. And every now and then we get glimpses, we get mountaintop experiences where we sense God talking to us directly through a situation or through somebody else. And those are things that we can hold on to as we come down from the mountain and live out our everyday lives holding on to that trust and that knowledge that God's presence is actually not just with us on the mountain, it's with us in every part of life. So who is Jesus? He's the Son of God and he's someone worth following simply for who he is. The transfiguration shows us that history is his story. History is his story. It's actually all about Jesus from beginning to end. Never mind the facts, never mind the eyewitness reports, open your heart to the possibility that you could be part of history, that you could be part of his story. And keep asking questions, keep seeking, keep finding out. Because Jesus tells us, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Because God loves you so much, he's actually seeking you as well. Now we're going to sing our final song. This is a great song, Shine, Jesus Shine. It thinks back to some of that image and some of that glory of Jesus in the transfiguration. His radiance, his kingly brightness and how he can change us as he's at work in us.